Good morning, this is 5 at 8. Today's Sunday, February 25th, 2024, and here's Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman with today's top news. In this episode, we'll talk about Russian intelligence agencies warning of potential threats to satellites in space, deep-sea explorers discovering over 100 new species off the coast of Chile, intuitive machines Odysseus spacecraft successfully landing on the moon, Alabama Supreme Court ruling on frozen embryos, and the rise in stocks and profits for Western defense companies since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Story number one. Russian intelligence agencies have warned that Russia may target satellites in space with nuclear weapons, posing a threat not only to national security, but also to the space economy. Billions of dollars are at risk, as many private companies rely on satellites for services. The insurance industry for satellites does not cover damage from nuclear weapons. With thousands of satellites in orbit, including many from private companies like SpaceX and Amazon, the potential impact on the space economy is significant, according to the New York Times. Why, that's quite a twist in the tale, ain't it? Russia aiming a nuclear weapon at satellites in space. It's not just a military threat anymore, it's like the whole space economy is being held at gunpoint. Yes, indeed, Mark. It's a complex issue. On one hand, it's a stark reminder of the militarization of space and the geopolitical implications. On the other, it's a direct threat to the space economy, potentially costing hundreds of billions, even trillions, when you consider the services relying on satellites. Right, Linda. And remember, out of the more than 8,000 satellites in orbit, thousands belong to private companies. We've got big players like SpaceX's Starlink and Amazon in the mix. And a whole bunch of smaller entrants, too. It's not just a government issue anymore. Absolutely. And the risks are not just confined to the destruction of these satellites. It's about the ripple effects it will have. Think about the insurance sector. There's no coverage against nuclear arms. The entire underwriting process will need to be reevaluated. Absolutely. And, uh, considering the total value of insured satellites in orbit is around $25 billion, excluding revenue, that's a lot of reassessment. But, you know, the thing that really gets me is the, um, the potential for this to cause a domino effect, impacting the growing space industry and the economy on the ground. Right, Mark. It's a multidimensional problem. And not to mention, this could lead to an escalation, reminiscent of the Cold War-era space races. A new type of arms race, but this time, in space. Yeah, it's like history repeating itself, Linda. But with a much higher stake, given how reliant we are on satellite services today, it's definitely a topic that needs more attention at a global level, not just among military and defense folks. It's not just about unilateral military decisions anymore. It's about the global economic and security implications, and these conversations need to be had now. Story number two. Deep-sea explorers off the coast of Chile may have discovered over 100 new species. This shows how ocean protections in place are working to boost biodiversity. The researchers used an underwater robot to collect specimens from 10 seamounts in the southeast Pacific. The potential new species include sponges, lobsters, corals, urchins, sea stars, and sea lilies. The findings highlight the importance of safeguarding marine life in international waters, according to Washington Post. Did you hear about this, Linda? Over a hundred potential new species found off the coast of Chile. It's like hitting the jackpot in a naturalist's lottery. And what's even more amazing is that every seamount had a unique ecosystem, as if each peak was a whole different world. Yes, Mark, it's quite astounding. 
This discovery really underscores the sheer depth of biodiversity in our oceans. And beyond just adding to our understanding of marine life, this finding is a testament to the success of the Chilean government's ocean protection measures. It's a beacon of hope for other countries aiming to safeguard their marine waters. It's a loud and clear message to the world that conservation efforts do pay off, and in ways we can't even anticipate. Imagine finding 40 different species of sea sponges alone, where we knew of only two before. And let's not forget those beady-eyed lobsters. It's like the ocean saying, hey, there's a lot more where that came from if you just give me a chance. You've got a point there, Mark. But the story doesn't end with Chile's national waters. These researchers also explored the high seas, where no single government has jurisdiction. It's a complex issue. How do we protect these vital habitats in international waters from threats like overfishing and deep-sea mining? Well, Linda, that's where international cooperation comes into play, right? Similar to how we have international treaties for things like climate change and nuclear disarmament, we need global agreements to protect these submarine mountains. Remember the United Nations Treaty signed last year? That's a step in the right direction. It's a step, but there's a long journey ahead. The goal is to protect 30% of the planet's oceans by the end of this decade. We're racing against time here. While we celebrate these discoveries, it's crucial to remember the urgency of the situation. This isn't just about saving the oceans. It's about saving Earth's remaining wild plants and animals from extinction. These new species are a testament to what we stand to lose if we don't act now. And the stakes couldn't be higher. We're not just talking about sponges and lobsters here. The world's oceans are home to an estimated 50 to 80% of all life on Earth. Let that sink in for a moment. It's a humbling thought, Mark, and it underscores the importance of these exploratory expeditions. Not just for the thrill of discovery, but for the knowledge they provide. Knowledge that can inform our conservation strategies and help us make more informed decisions about how we interact with and use our oceans. We're all in this together. Story number three. Intuitive Machines' Odysseus spacecraft successfully landed on the moon, marking the first commercial soft landing on the moon and the first U.S.-made spacecraft to reach the lunar surface since 1972. The spacecraft experienced a navigation issue, but was saved by NASA's navigation Doppler LiDAR technology. Vultures play a crucial role in preventing disease outbreaks by scavenging dead animals. A 280-million-year-old ancient reptile fossil found in the Italian Alps was revealed to be largely a forgery. Scientists are studying whale songs and the impact of human-made noise on whale communication. Additionally, a European Space Agency satellite fell to Earth, highlighting the issue of space junk in orbit. CNN reports that. This Odysseus spacecraft landing on the moon, Linda, is nothing short of incredible. A commercial spacecraft soft landing on the lunar surface, it's like something straight out of a science fiction novel. It signifies a new era in space exploration. The fact that it was an uncrewed mission and the first U.S.-made spacecraft to reach the moon since 1972 is truly remarkable. But, you know, what really caught my attention was the unexpected navigation systems issue that Odysseus encountered. Ah, uh, yes. The dynamic situation, as they called it. Could have been a disaster if not for the NASA's navigation Doppler LiDAR on board. It's a testament to the importance of having backup systems and contingency plans in place, don't you think? It's the perfect example of how unforeseen circumstances can arise even with the most meticulous planning. And it's not just about having a backup system, but also about the ability to think quickly and adapt to changing situations. It's a lesson we can all apply in our daily lives. And... 
you know, another thing that I find fascinating is this whole idea of commercial space exploration. It's a game changer. We're not just talking about NASA or other governmental agencies anymore. Private companies are stepping into the space race, and they're making waves. That's true, Mark. And with the increasing amount of space debris as highlighted by the fall of the European Space Agency satellite, the responsibility shifts not just to governments, but also these private entities. They must ensure they are contributing to sustainable and responsible space exploration. We're stepping into a new frontier here, and it's crucial that we do it right, for the sake of future generations. This Odysseus landing, it's just the beginning. Story number four. In a report from CNN, Alabama Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos are considered children, and those who destroy them can be held liable for wrongful death. This decision, influenced by the overturning of Roe v. Wade, has significant implications for how embryos are viewed under state laws. The ruling stemmed from a case in which several frozen embryos were destroyed, leading to a lawsuit by parents seeking damages. The court's decision marks the first time a U.S. court has recognized frozen embryos as human beings. Concerns have been raised about the impact on fertility treatments like IVF and access to abortion. Efforts are being made at both the state and federal levels to protect access to infertility treatments and reproductive rights. There's a whole lot to unpack here, Linda. This Alabama Supreme Court ruling fundamentally changes the way we look at embryos, at least under Alabama state law. It's a pivotal shift, considering the fact that it's the first time a U.S. court has legally recognized frozen embryos as human beings. And this, no doubt, stems from the reversal of Roe v. Wade. It's a decision that has far-reaching implications, not just for reproductive rights, but also for the field of assisted reproductive technology, especially in vitro fertilization. I mean, considering embryos as children can potentially put a whole new spin on fertility treatments and how they're conducted. Yeah, Linda, you're spot on. And it's not just about the medical procedure itself. We've got to take into account the emotional turmoil couples go through when they're grappling with infertility. And now they might have to deal with legal consequences, too. It's it's a lot. It certainly is, Mark. The ruling has opened up a Pandora's box of legal and ethical dilemmas. The legislations around reproductive rights, the definition of personhood, the beginning of life, they're all coming under scrutiny. And it's not just Alabama, other states might follow suit, given that Roe v. Wade is no longer a federal right. And we can't overlook the bigger picture here. I mean, this case, it's not just about embryos or fertility treatments, it's really about a woman's right to make decisions about her own body. And that's... that's a huge deal. Yes, Mark. The issue of women's bodily autonomy is at the heart of this. It's concerning to see how these decisions might chip away at that autonomy. This Alabama ruling, while it pertains to embryos outside the uterus, could set a precedent that impacts a broad spectrum of reproductive choices. The need for legislative measures to protect access to treatments like IVF and ensure a woman's right to decide for her own body is more pressing than ever. Story number five. Western defense companies have seen a rise in stocks and profits since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, with governments increasing defense spending in response to geopolitical threats. Major defense contractors like Saab and BAE Systems have reported record earnings and are expanding their workforce. The U.S. military aid for Ukraine remains uncertain, leading European governments to seek alternative ways to support the country. The global defense industry is booming, driven by rising tensions with China, Russia, and other security risks. 
According to CNN, this trend is attributed to the increasing global security concerns. When you look at the numbers, Linda, it's clear that the surge in defense spending is a natural and necessary response to the geopolitical threats we're facing. Defense companies like Saab, BAE Systems, and Rheinmetall are simply responding to the demand. It's basic economics, supply and demand. While I understand your perspective, Mark, I think it's important to also consider the ethical dimensions of this. Yes, these companies are supplying a demand, but at the end of the day, they are profiting from conflict and war. This isn't just about economics, it's about lives. Linda, I hear you, but we also need to understand the role of these companies in maintaining global security. Without their products and technologies, countries like Ukraine would face even greater threats. And let's not forget, defense companies also create jobs. Saab alone has expanded its workforce by 3,600 people since the start of 2022. True, Mark. But is an economy heavily reliant on defense spending and war industry sustainable in the long run? The growth of these companies and the jobs they create are contingent on the continuation of conflicts. Isn't it a bit concerning? I see your point, Linda. But in an ideal world, we wouldn't need defense companies at all. Sadly, we live in a world with real threats and conflicts. Until that changes, these companies play a vital role. And if they're profitable and creating jobs, isn't that a silver lining in a tough situation? I suppose that's one way to look at it, Mark. But it's a complex issue, and I think it's crucial we continue to question and scrutinize the relationship between conflict and the defense industry. After all, in the pursuit of security and stability, we must also strive for peace. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.